this is the main spam accounts I see, and it does tend to be people who have stolen pictures of Asian women, and then all their tweets are just different pictures, and apparently they have followers, even though they're clearly spam. And declarations of loneliness. Don't forget the declarations of loneliness. <laughs> so lonely. I'm posting all my pictures on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those apparently, but I never get the notifications. I don't understand who is falling for that. Like, who's seeing that and thinking, oh, I don't know. Lonely in Tokyo. Let's click on you. I think a big part of scams is the idea that you want to make it really obvious from the get go that it's a scam, but the so that the two or three people who fall for it are very clearly not going to catch on no matter how obvious it gets from there on out okay that's why the nigerian prince thing kept going even when it became really widely known is because everybody who knew it wasn't going to fall for it anyway <laughs> so you'll target the few people who don't know it yet so so basically you you try to make yourself as spammy as possible so that the people you do get are just completely unaware highly suggestible very in this case very lonely very very uh oh man attention starved and like genuinely being attention starved is a struggle for a lot of people and because in, in, in this in this uh, society we've got built up here uh, validation is in relationships and if you're like single or lonely or you're not valid or whatever whatever so like yeah, being okay. attention starved really really can be harmful for people um so they fall for these things um or they become um a bit a bit um, more toxic than that, but you know, it's 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 there's all, there's all logic behind it. What what I do tend to find though with these spam accounts is that they all are hetero. There are oh, sorry hetero. There there's no like, hey, here's Richard in Lincoln, and he's lonely too. You know, it's always just Asian women and pictures that people that clearly have been stolen from people's Instagrams, and just you know, even the junk emails I get are all women, you know? I mean, it still could be just very basic targeting where they're just, like, dividing it between male and female target audiences. <laughs> maybe you just don't notice the... Maybe you don't notice the ones that aren't targeted at male. Maybe there are some that targeted at female. I, w- I would be surprised if you didn't notice the ones that weren't... <laughs> that were targeted at the gays, uh, you I'm, know? I mean, I love the... It's the email spam titles that I get. So here are three from this morning... Uh, the first one, which is, I wait you so long. Where are you? <laughs> Next one. Gertrude, 156 centimetres, 46 kilograms. Need a partner? <laughs> and the last one is, what's up, my big boy? What's up, my big boy? I don't get any like that. I could I could use, use those compliments. Oh, uh, I know. It's, I mean, it's great. It's just... And then I get ones from Canada Pharmacy and... Uh, adult dating, which are less exciting, but you know, I, I do enjoy the the titles. They are very funny. Man, I'm gonna. Do I get any that are in any way entertaining? All of mine are just like boring. The, the the ones which are most interesting. I'm scrolling through my spam here. Are the ones who have gone for the name, height, weight, in the in the email title, as if I meant to be like, <laughs> oh, Georgia, 174 centimeters. <laughs> Sign me up to that. Just half a centimetre shy of my ideal height. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man. Although I was uh, chatting about this um, a a few weeks ago. I've never actually dated or even actually kissed anyone who's taller than me. Ever. All right. I don't know why. Yeah, you're not like... You're like average height. (laughs) 
I am. Indeed, I am very fact, average. You might be above average for a Scotsman. I I think if I'm wearing chunky shoes, I'm five eleven. Yeah, you're 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 a, you're a forehead above average for a Scotsman. That's, I think it's five eight. Yes, yeah, five average eight Scot- here. That's why we're so we're bad at international football. Um, <laughs> So like yeah, you must you must have a thing for the shorties. It, well, it, it maybe also is why I'm getting targeted with these people who are putting their heights in the in the email because they're like, oh, we've heard you talk about this before. <laughs> so we're just going to make sure that you know that we're short. It's it's really specifically targeted to your height, your height likes, but not not your sexuality. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're going for. Okay. <laughs> Well, if you are listening and you do want to create spam accounts, then the way to my heart is just to put your weight. No, not weight. Not your weight. Your height. Your weight. Put your weight in the box. <laughs> you can put your weight in the box there too, but the height is clearly... <laughs> it might be a big box. <laughs> height's clearly what's, uh, what's going to work. Or a small box. Okay, right. Seesaw Parade episode 245. Here we are. Still going. Colin. Hi. And James is here too. I am. This is uh, your new favourite podcast in Scotland's yep. longest-running entertainment-slash-news podcast <laughs> yes. with a season one, which is longer than any other podcast in existence. <laughs> I think we invented podcasting. We d- I'm pretty sure we did. I'm yeah, almost certain yeah. we did. Okay, well, you can get in touch with the show about anything we discuss, whether that is interesting spam emails you've received or... <laughs> yeah, please tell us about the spam emails. They're funny. Or, or perhaps you want to actually react to the, the news or the topics we we're discussing, as some of you have done oh. this week. Shanana BT got in touch to say, can I please request a review slash opinion from the lads uh-huh. on your uh, thoughts about Ladybeard slash Deadlift Lolita? Yes. I feel like this intersectionality connects with uh, wrestling slash gay themes and Fair James passing RuPaul Joy. Which um, I did do this, Shanana. I went to check out Deadlift Lolita, which so did I. <laughs> which is, from what I can tell, a wrestler dude who who wears uh, kind of uh, sparkly, spangly outfits. Yes, and uh, a bodybuilder woman <laughs> <laughs> who, as far as I could tell, were were singing a kind of hardcore slash metal mashup of of Japanese and English. And I, I was a good time. Was it like baby metal? It was kind of like baby metal, but not not the same standard. So what my review, right. Shanana, is <laughs> I like what they I liked what they did. I enjoyed the song I listened to, but I would probably not go back to it. I, I don't think I would buy a ticket for a show. I, I also would probably not expend any of my uh, earnings on uh, consuming their media, but I do okay. approve of uh, their style. Absolutely. I mean, they are, they are filling that niche, I tell you. You gotta find your niche. I haven't, and that's why that's why I'm irrelevant. Okay. Well, I mean, this is kind of niche. It's like a podcast for people who who like us, which is a, 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 an incredibly <laughs> decreasing uh, pool. There's um, actually the nichest of niches. Okay. Well, uh, adding to we are less popular than fascism. Adding <laughs> that is our new tagline: less popular than fascism. Okay, another comment from Murray this time. Now, James, I have a test for you because he had uh, Murray had been listening to the show, yeah. and his comment was, yes. "I've noticed that a lot of presenters, including yourself, don't use the word women anymore, and instead exclusively use woman." Now, I, the, the the emphasis here is is important because I've realised in this conversation with Murray that when I say the word woman. 
and woman, they are they are identical. So let me they ask. They sound the same. How do you say the words W O M E N? Women. Right. So according to the Oxford Dictionary, it's women. Wh- what? Women. Like women. Women. Not women. Women. So it's so, women and women. <laughs> no. So so it's wom- <laughs> Hold on. Singular women. <laughs> Plural women. This was a revelation to me. I did not know this. <laughs> I have been mispronouncing this word my entire no, life. You haven't. That's lies. It's no, no. Seriously, if if I oh, take, the, for example, a Titanic, Oxford to tell me how to pronounce things. <laughs> right. Well, right. They don't believe in the word "out with." Get them out of here. If I take a Titanic example, the women and children went to the boats. Yeah, that one woman that was on the Titanic. <laughs> Right, so to me, context is everything, but clearly, I have been getting this wrong. So it's I have not to wrong. make. It, it's not wrong. It's just how we how we say it up here, I guess. No, but the way that Murray said it made it sound really Scottish. It was women. I was like, I'm not women. I'm not from Gla- I'm not from Port Glasgow. I'm not from Greenock. You're women. Women. <laughs> like it's not that difficult. Yeah, but neither of us have a Lowlands accent, though, right? Or a Central no, Belt accent. No, whereas he does. Not really. Occasionally, the, a word or two I will, or not even a, a full sentence or two I will slip into it by accident uh-huh. if I'm talking to somebody with the same accent. But I, maybe it's a maybe it's a, a Highlands thing. But, but that women and women are the same, right? So gen- genuinely, dear listener, I want you to try this. Say the word "woman" singular, and then. <laughs> Women, plural, and if they're the same, like mine are, then tell me, because I felt very, very silly <laughs> knowing that Oxford Dictionary is judging me for mispronouncing the plural of women, because apparently it's women. <laughs> it's honestly blew my mind. I don't, I don't know about it. I don't know about this. I mean, but the question the question I would have about it is this uh, this idea that presenters aren't using one of those words anymore. Which one? They're not using the plural? So his point was he thinks some people are not using it. I said, well, actually, we had, I want to say Reddit recently said, oh, we're going we're gonna to start using the word women with an X. So W O N X N to include everyone. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce these uh, ones. Nor do I. But that was then met with a yeah. backlash of, wait, so are you saying that trans women aren't women? And then they reverted to, oh, actually, yeah, let's just go with the women with the normal spelling. Yeah, the 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 replacement of letters is generally a thing done by people who are, in my opinion, solving problems that don't really exist now. I'm sure there are some people out there who are hurt by the word men, and legitimately so. Yeah. But I don't think a solution is to try and change the spelling of a word. I think it would be to try and change what words we use. Okay. <laughs> For example, it's the same thing with Latino, Latina, Latinx, yeah. right? We hear Latinx a lot now, and it just feels really clunky and also not very tied to the language that we are <laughs> that that the, those people would use, right? Indeed, we've just kind of anglicized it and chucked an X on the end to 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 use a substitute letter. Whereas we should just like ask legitimate communities, hey, what would you like to be referred to as if these two words don't work? So same for women. If women, is, if if women in general don't want to be called women anymore, James, let's get a new word, not just a James, new letter. James, I have to stop you. This has never happened before in the show. Breaking news, literally this second. What? Prince Philip has died. 
Oh no! Oh, what? He never even got to see the Shrek reboot. He was ninety nine. We'll come back to that because we've still got listener comments to talk about. Okay, Anna got in touch. You talked about uh, translation slash words there. She uh, was responding to our Alba slash Alaba pronunciation talk. And she said she needed a metaphor to explain it to people and reminded uh, her of a quote from Maddie Park's The Asian Poem. And the quote is, when your name is pronounced wrong your entire life, you start to identify with a mistake. Mm. Which I thought was very poignant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, and it's something that made me click a little further into it is that I've not really had this experience. So he's talk- I talked about this when it came to the Alaba thing. I, we hadn't really had this experience of, of hearing a thing that is significant to us or to me yeah. um, mispronounced so broadly and it actually mattering. I don't have a, an hard to pronounce name in the circles that I am in. I'm sure there are certain dialects that struggle with the sound that is my name. Um, so I've and I've seen evidence of this beyond just this poem or beyond this discussion about a, a very Scottish word. Um, I was listening to a podcast over the past year and one of their um, writers started using the legitimate pronunciation of their um, surname for this exact reason. They realized that they'd started identifying the real pronunciation of their surname as incorrect. Right. Because they were, they were saying that their surname was Lee, but it was Lay. Oh, okay. Because of the spellings and stuff like that. So this is super common. Yeah, yeah. We actually saw this this week with the actress Thandiway Newton, who is formerly Thandy Newton. Ah, uh, yeah. Who's decided to go back to her actual name because yeah, that's a that's a problem with people who several decades ago broke into various industries and because their name wasn't English enough, mm-hmm. they had to change it. And then thirty this, years later, she's taken it back. Yeah, and this 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 goes beyond most communities. It's like it, this is the majority. Barely any. Like European language is safe to use. I don't think anything outside of uh, the UK has produced these appropriate names for people to have, really. And we've got this uh, whitewashing of names across the board. Not even whitewashing, this anglicization of names across all sorts of industries just to make them sellable or marketable. Okay, one more comment before we start the show proper. It's from Luke who says, How dare you? Run, Fat Boy Run is a fantastic film. Wait. Now, I replied, (laughs) what on earth is this in reference to? And he replied with a screenshot of episode one of Seesaw Parade. No, don't do that to yourself. I said, you realise that episode is six years old. He said, yes, I did see it was from 2015. Don't mention it in your podcast if you don't want people to go scrolling, which is a fair point. Yeah, we should just delete it. We should just... Instead of instead of continuously advertising them by talking about them again, we should just put them in an archive. Put them in a box. Okay. <laughs> a big box. Do, do you know what I might do? I'll just I'll private all the ones pre episode one hundred. How about that? Sure, sure. I would I would go for all the ones pre like last month. <laughs> okay. They're irrelevant anyway. We didn't talk about yeah. anything relevant. Well, I'm sure we must have done at some point, but they just aren't very good. Yeah, what on earth did we say about Run, Fat Boy, Run? I, I would have said that I thought it was unfunny and a bit dull, and How it relied on cliches. <laughs> I know. But it isn't, it's not very good. I mean, if you're going to watch a Simon Pegg film, that's very much at the bottom of the list. I, I would put other things on the on the Simon Pegg list. Indeed. Okay, 
I would put them on higher pegs. Right, we, we do actually have uh, lots to talk about, but we must start with this breaking news <laughs> live on Seesaw Parade. I can't believe it's happening. Okay, so we're going to start with the breaking news on this show. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Buckingham Palace has announced that His Royal Highness Prince Philip has died. Oh, he man. was 99. He passed away peacefully this morning at Windsor Castle. Uh, the Duke was married to the Queen for more than 70 years and was still carrying out a programme of public engagements uh, well into his 90s. But in the last uh, few years, he has been uh, suffering from increasing ill health. He had, I want to say, a car accident yep. uh, maybe a year ago, 18 months ago. Yep. Uh, 2011, he was uh, taken to hospital for various treatments on his heart. Uh, 2012, 2013, and then 2017 is when he actually retired. Uh, of course, no plans or details released yet about the Duke's funeral, but I understand it will be a, a royal ceremonial funeral rather than the state funeral, which was actually in line with his wishes, apparently. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, James, this, of course, will, I'm sure, be given round-the-clock coverage for the next oh, three days at least. Uh, just give me a, a brief summary before we discuss our, our favourite memories of Prince Philip. <laughs> Well, you know what's going to be really happy is the Tories because they're not going to be in the headlines for like another two weeks again. That's fair. I don't know. This this isn't a surprise at all. It's it's such a not surprise that I, all the jokes I thought about to make about it became stale to me because okay, we've been prepping for this death for for decades. <laughs> it has been a long time. And he, I am sure he was well liked by people in the community. Uh, I'm sure this will be heartbreaking for some people. For me, he represents uh, a group of people and a belief that is outdated um, and needs to be removed. And I'm, I'm not really grieving. He's lived a plenty of long life, a very privileged long life. Indeed. So what? He, oh no, he's he's dead. Like, well, he he lived a long time. He's had quite enough of life, I am sure. So, on to the next one. Good luck in in heaven or whatever. Okay, so yeah, I just just to add to that because I w- yeah, I will give it short shrift. But let me just say, uh, first of all, Prince Philip has been ill for a long time. There were some pictures released. I want to say last month where he was coming back from hospital, in which he did look like a zombie. He it had, was a, yeah, yeah. a particularly unflattering series of pictures, and yes. uh, yeah, you you could tell at that point that he was he was very very unwell, and so as you say, this has been something which has been coming for quite some time, and a quick Google search shows that the um, the obituaries and the long reads have all been published very quickly. So there will be lots of uh, in-depth coverage, I'm sure. But one thing which uh, Prince Philip was, I would say, endearingly remembered for, which uh, nowadays I'm not so comfortable with, is the kind of comments he would make to various different nationalities and people of different races. His not subtle racism. Racist comments, which at the time was a bit like, ha ha ha, look at Prince Philip. Whereas nowadays it's a bit like, can you believe this guy said this and he was married to the Queen? Yeah. But uh, the answer is yes. Yes, I can believe he said these things. Indeed. Um, He's from that sort of a, a 
a, a place in life, a superiority, so to speak, one which was uh, granted to him by his birth. So it's no surprise that he didn't feel the need to uh, talk to people with respect when they were from lesser uh, upbringings or places than him. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, and not even that much younger, I, I, I am probably on the record on the podcast finding it funny. Um, I, I was misinformed because I was viewing him as just some old dude, but he isn't some old dude. He represents the power structure of one of the most significant uh, countries in the world. It is incredibly harmful for somebody on any level of the ladder of power in any significant country in the world to be saying racist or bigoted things. <laughs> so it yeah, shouldn't yeah. be endearing, but it will be painted as such. The BBC will have a line and they're like, often said saying controversial things. Ha ha. He entertains yeah, yeah, the yeah. world. Ha ha ha. Uh, and the thing is, and this is my bigger picture take, is that I'm sure, as you've mentioned there, James, many, many people will be very sad about this. But ultimately, Scotland has now passed 10,000 coronavirus deaths. Yeah. The UK is at, what, 140,000 plus of similarly aged and often much younger people who have died yeah. because of this virus. And where's the flowing, glowing tributes and obituaries for the 140,000 people who have died? So I... Exactly. Forgive me if I'm not shedding a tear. Seeing how the establishment is trying to minimise the reporting and the grief over the huge numbers of deaths due to the virus i don't have a, i don't i don't care what they say about any other death <laughs> until they start treating massive amounts of public death as a significant i don't care about some old dude that they want me to yeah, care yeah. about oh. okay well that leads us on then to our what was meant to be the main story which is the news that according to the transport secretary grant shapps people can now start thinking about booking foreign holidays again this summer. Yeah. Uh, but he said that the cost of the COVID tests required, so basically one before you go and then one when you come back, mm -hmm. needs to be driven down first. And uh, the travel industry have responded very angrily to this. Uh, to say, How much do private COVID tests cost? I don't know. Uh, uh, clearly, I? clearly too much. Yeah, if, it's, if a Tory thinks it's too much, then yeah. But uh, yeah, so this this traffic light system is going to be introduced to show which countries or, or what's required depending on where you visit. So if you visit a green country, you don't have to quarantine, but you must take a pre-departure test and a another test when you come back. Yes. Uh, if, if you travel to an amber country, you need to quarantine for 10 days as well as the two tests. Yeah. And then if it's a red country then passengers will have to pay for a 10-day stay in a quarantine hotel as well as three tests, one pre-departure and then two when you come back. So uh, these Indeed. these are particular tests, which are called PCR tests, which mean they need to be sent to a lab, means that the scientists can detect potential variants of concern. And that's probably where the expense is coming from. Yeah. The, if you're having to send things to labs. The, the more detailed test, not just like a spot test. Right. So so let's just talk about this this current suggestion. Yeah. Because for a long time, it was, well, for the last few months, it's been, don't book your summer holidays, mm -hmm. just go on holiday in the UK. And now it is... This interesting phrase, you can start thinking about it. Indeed. Okay, Grant, thought about it. Now <laughs> yeah, what? Can we, can we start booking it <laughs> or just considering it? So to me, this is uh, an almost stupidly coded way of saying you can book your holidays now. It 
Yeah. Which I don't understand why they. I understand why they didn't just say, "Okay, go book your holidays," but that's essentially what this is. Yeah. Well, they know that that's gonna be that's gonna be how it lands, right? They know that when they say something like this, the people are gonna book their holidays, but they're gonna just yeah. have said it vaguely so that when or if all of those booked holidays bring back any variants or anything like that, it won't be their fault because they just said to think about it, not to actually do it, right? They're going to try and... This is another way to, like, push all of the accountability and blame onto the public. But but also, I feel the government have reached a point with the travel industry, and particularly even here in Scotland. I noticed today that the museum reopening dates for, uh, you know, the national one in Edinburgh and the Kelvin Grove here in Glasgow, they've announced their reopening dates for this month, which is still April... Yeah. Which to me is, I know I understand that you want to get people in, you want to get things moving, but still seems premature. And I would say that it's not even the the first week of April, first full week of April, we're telling people you can start booking your summer holidays. You know, why why now? You're you're appeasing people, you're helping people feel better. I don't understand it. A bit of both. Um, There is also the fact that over the past two weeks one thing we couldn't really mention last week because it was a bit too soon but over the past two weeks now there has been a significant decrease in the total number of cases yep um the trend is going down now uh, the the rate of infection isn't really going down too far it's still um topping out at one in the estimation so yeah it feels premature but when uh, the government is presenting data that says, hey, we've got like half the infections we did last week and hospitalizations are basically going down to zero. It's very hard for them to then say, hey, but you're not allowed to leave your house. Right. Uh, so it's just the balancing act continues. And as usual on the balancing act, the U- the UK and Scottish governments are kind of leaning a-, a little bit towards flexibility rather than trying to eradicate things, which... I would prefer the eradication method. Right, okay, well, just just on that point then, I, I know it's straying off the agenda, but we yeah. had uh, Professor Chris Whitty this week who was reiterating what I believe Boris said some months ago, which is COVID's here to stay. It's going to be like the flu mm. in which we have boosters, but life goes on. You know, the country doesn't shut down because there's a flu uh, endemic or epidemic in, in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and that's what needs to happen with COVID. So uh, yeah. that, to me, seeing how the entire pandemic has been handled in this country seems like the most likely outcome. Indeed. Because I don't think we'll get to, even with you know the best behaved public in the world, I still don't think you would get to total eradication no. because of how much this country relies on tourism, for example. Yes. You know, the, the, the Scottish tourist sector, or rather the entire industry, pre-COVID was something like the third biggest contributor to GDP. The the sheer amount of people yeah. who come into Scotland to you know visit, which is great. Of course it's great. But when you are dealing with a global virus, which is killing, has killed literally millions of people, mm-hmm. you're never going to get rid of it unless you either do what New Zealand did and has done or what Australia is still doing, which is as soon as you r- receive any hint of cases... You shut everything down. Yeah. And the UK hasn't done that. It won't do it. No. And as you say, I am I am further behind on seeing where we are with cases. But I, I, I feel like the governments have accepted now that we are going to get to a point where this is just life. 
And once everyone's been vaccinated, you know, what what, what other restrictions can you yeah. put on people? Yeah, that's, that's the whole point. It's about getting the vaccination coverage to a degree that is acceptable so that you might as well consider the thing like as eradicated as the flu is year to year. Yes, right. at this point, we can't really lean on getting rid of the virus full stop. Um, it's not realistic. Um, but we haven't also got maximum <laughs> vaccination because we're still discussing how to target uh, the under 30s for example and oh. all, all of those discussions that are ongoing and until th- a, a those... lovely <laughs> yeah thank you until those have an answer it's not time to say like hey freedom yeah a, a lovely segue as i was saying there james uh, this is the news that under 30s in the uk are being offered an alternative covid vaccine ah. because the oxford astrazeneca jab um, there, there's growing concern slash evidence that's linking it to rare blood clots. Indeed, yes. We talked about that before. We did, because I believe the EU suspended the use of this vaccine for the same reason. And then the EU said, actually, it's fine. Yes. Keep on using it. And then two weeks later, the UK say, oh, hold on a second. Maybe let's look at this vaccine. Indeed. So the recommendation has comes af- has come after a review by the drugs regulator, which found that by the end of March, 79 people had uh, suffered these blood clots after vaccination and 19 had died. Mm-hmm. The regulator said this was not proof the jab had caused it, but the link was getting firmer. So yes. to put this into context... I believe it's 0.00095% chance that you will get a blood clot. Yeah. The chances of getting a blood clot from the, I want to say, not the morning after pill, but the one of those pills. I was speaking to Bex about this yesterday. One of the contraceptives. One of the contraceptives is one in a thousand. Yeah. And the chances of dying if you go in a, if you drive a car for 250 miles, you've got a greater chance of dying in a car crash. Indeed. So... These things, I believe, have to be taken into perspective. And we talked about this at the time when the EU story came out, which was if you look at the side effects of paracetamol, you you also similarly would not take it for the risk of, oh, I might die. Indeed. So, so where is the line here, James? Because it's all well and good saying, okay, vaccines are here. Oh, wait, they've killed people. Because to some people that will be, oh right, well if people have died, then I'm not taking it. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to convince people to take a a, a vaccine that has publicly got some question marks, and I think it's a bit of a fault of the of the media to not be answering those same questions in the articles. And maybe they're trying, maybe they're trying to put, put a, set aside some of the the um, more conspiracy esque um, ideas and the panic. Um, but when you're looking at the numbers being this low, yeah, if there's a tie, it's bad and it's good to like slow down a bit and good to take some time. Like we said about Europe suspending the vaccine. Yeah. Ideally, they're wrong and they just have those vaccines to use. But if they're right, it's best to suspend. So same in the same in the UK. If there is a particular risk for particular age groups or for um, particular people, then it's good to try and target them with a different vaccine just because there's that risk. Um, but nobody should be re- rejecting uh, the vaccine based off of these numbers. You're still probably more likely to die from just COVID if you're not vaccinated than you are d- to die from getting the vaccine. So it's just a numbers game at that point. Um, I don't really know what we can do to 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 belay kind of panic if if a certain individual is panicked about it. There's not much you can say to convince them. Yeah. Um, 
because they they know they know the numbers and it's the small number that's that is getting them panicked. Um, I do think there is a very interesting question though when we're looking at the compare the 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 difference between uh, the way that the nation and the and our leaders are responding to a zero point zero zero something percent chance of blood clot from this compared to a zero not even a zero point something no yeah zero point one percent chance of uh, blood clots from a common contraceptive. I got to wonder what is driving that difference. Like, <laughs> is it because it's not just the women that are at risk from this, right? <laughs> I, I, like, I genuinely, I'm a bit confused by the differing in the examination of those numbers because, and the only difference for me, as far as I can see, is that one is universally used and the other one is yeah. for people of a specific sex. Okay, before we move on, I, I'll brief summary of what's happening across the regions. Scotland this week, barbers reopened, hairdressers reopened and uh, James, I know you've been cutting your hair for some time so I doubt you were front and centre of the uh, the queues on Monday. Even though I do my own hair, I still just I still just did the pandemic cut and haven't haven't done a cut in, in years. <laughs> nice, okay. Well, uh, Solidarity with all of you. All. Absolutely. And in Wales we've uh, seen today that actually the reopening of I want to say gyms and uh, salons and similar outlets has been brought forward by a week, as has mm-hmm. indoor household mixing. Ah. Uh, so two people will be allowed to gather inside a week earlier than planned. So James, this is, uh, again, we've, we've covered this already, but it's essentially government saying rates are going down, people have been vaccinated. Okay, well, what else can we do? Yeah, they've got to keep giving us a new thing. And then a new thing, a new thing to keep us happy and and not not rioting or something, I guess, or to distract us from legitimate reasons to riot. Um, they've got to they've got to find the safe things. One of the one of the one of the things that's a bit of a shame for the nation is that apparently the recreational hobby that people are missing the most is the cinema, which uh, is one of the things that is very low down on the queue for a. Uh, grand scale reopening so it is they're just trying to distract us from pining for the cinema by opening up like maybe a haircut (laughs) (laughs) okay well you've uh, another beautiful segue let's talk movies Okay, so before we talk Godzilla vs. Kong saving cinema, oh boy, yeah. let's talk about what we've been watching this week. James, I have a movie and a documentary. Ooh. What do you have? Um, I've not finished anything, but I've started okay. some good stuff. Nice, so have I, but we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, so I'm going to start with the movie. It is Collateral, and I want to say from the year 2004, it has Tom Cruise as a villain, and uh, Jamie Foxx as a Los Angeles cab driver who gets caught up in Tom Cruise's nefarious night of criminal activity. It's an excellent, an excellent piece. It is, right? So it's directed by Michael Mann, legendary filmmaker. Yes. And I really enjoyed this. What I would say is the first two thirds of the film are its strongest because I felt the final act just got a little bit too silly. But up until that point was really enjoying it. Mark Ruffalo has a, a nice role yeah. as an LA detective who's attempting to unravel what's going on. And uh, as much as there's very little in the way of character development, it's essentially an action movie. Yeah. There is there are some nice touches, particularly the opening 10, 15 minutes, where 
other films would have jumped straight into the action. It actually took the time yeah. to build relationships to you know get further character information without it having to be spelled out to you. And, yes, yes, yes. Uh, some sort of exposition. So I, I really, I really appreciated this way was put the way this film was put together. Indeed, and, no, it's, it's a super patient film in a lot of ways, and then the patience just kind of doesn't pay off but it's still very good yeah i would agree as i say i felt the the, the ending of the final act eh, just kind of lost me a little bit um not so much in its complexity but more yeah. in the fact that it was just a bit cliche mm-hmm. and yeah you know it was it was fine but it was up until that point was really on board with it so yeah, yeah. if and tom cruise i did like playing against type here he does. He does a good job of what he does in this film. Actually, it's such a good job that he is still lauded for one particular element of his gunplay in this oh, film. Really? He practiced this uh, quick draw kind of maneuver very evidently, and it's he did it so well that it's still used as like a standard for uh, how to get this particular th- um, style of uh, of um, fighting back into 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 the screen. Okay. If you if you remember, it's when he's people are trying to mug him, and he yep. very quickly dispatches of them. Oh, it's very impressive, yeah. The yeah people people love that on the old forums. You go you go search Google that one after this, and you'll you'll people are just still to this day weeping over <laughs> okay. the beauty. Right. Well, talking of googling, <laughs> there's been a lot of googling and searching this week about this Netflix documentary, Sea Spiracy. Yeah. Which uh, lots of people have been talking about. I saw dozens of people posting about it on social media, and so myself... Yeah, I got told to watch it, yeah. All right, so myself and Graham decided to watch it. So here, here is... First of all, I'll give you the summary of what this is about, and then I'll give you my thoughts. So the documentary essentially goes out to explain what is happening in the world's oceans in 2021, what the problems are, and what we need to do to fix it. So I'll explain now in more depth how this documentary goes because mm-hmm. initially it starts out in the opening, you know, five to ten minutes. It's about okay, there's there's whales and there's dolphins in captivity. Okay, let's let's go to Japan. Yeah, they're killing dolphins. This is terrible. Uh huh. Oh, okay, no, but but wait, uh-huh. there's a bigger problem. They're killing. Okay, they're killing sharks and they're taking their fins. Let's go to let's go to Hong Kong and see what's happening there. But wait, yeah, what about all the plastic? Oh, let's go and find out about straws. No, wait, mm-hmm. it's trawlers. No, we've got to speak to the people who are dredging the bottom of the ocean. No, wait, it's actually netting. Yeah. There's too many nets. Oh, wait, there's a better way of doing this. Let's go to the Faroe Islands. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, no, they're just killing whales. And <laughs> honestly, this documentary is so unfocused and so scatter shot in that no. it changes. It, I'll, I'll, you know, there, there are merits to this documentary. I'll get to that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the way it's put together, it's so distracted. You know, it it, right. it says, here's the problem. And it discusses that problem for 10 minutes. And then it says, no, but wait. And it just it constantly does this, oh, but wait. And it's almost convincing itself that actually there's a bigger issue here. Where right. a, a better made documentary would have said, here's the main problem there are other issues scattered around it, which we will mention in passing. But yeah. this the the way it's put together, the way it's been formatted, it's just a, a 
tizzying, distracted ride of what are we actually talking about here? Yeah, this is from the same people who made uh, Cowspiracy. Cowspiracy. Or, or Beefspiracy, if you're my head canon. Uh, unsurpri- um, unsurprisingly, the documentary filmmakers are vegan. If you couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. But that I think they tried to go for something that is a much grander scale issue. Right. Or they tried to global, glo- go global where in the previous one they weren't quite so global. Yeah. And when you look at either of those industries, when you try to look at it globally, it's just like it would take it would take a, a days of presentations <laughs> to summarize the problem. Okay. So yeah, I can see why they would get scattered. Further issues here. I, I've, I've completely forgotten about it. They go to West Africa. And suddenly there's shots of thriving oceans and then the next two minutes later they're saying, ah, but foreign vessels are stealing all the fish. And now look, here's Somali, uh, some Somali pirates. And they've turned to piracy because they've got no fish left. Right. And here's some Somali Somalians begging for food. Right. And at the end of the documentary, at the end of it, their conclusions are stop eating fish. And that is what is going to save the ocean. Now, I have a problem with this. Yeah, that's, yeah, because, that's not, not because the issue. The communities, particularly in the middle of this documentary, in West Africa, have no other option yeah. but to eat fish. It is what is yes. it's what their diet is made up of. And the tone of this documentary is elitist and it's from a white person's perspective in Britain. Right, 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 right. And it does yeah. not even stop to think about hold on a second. What about, you know, is stop eating fish a solution to everything you mentioned? The people who are trawling the bottom of the ocean and the shark fin soup? No, it's not. No. I mean, it would, it would, it would harm the industry slightly, but like if not to like not to undo the work of the documentary or anything but the the way to solve the problem uh, at least a big part of it one big major piece is for the major governments of the world to stop subsidizing right. the fishing industry in this race to be the cheapest so, possible thing right i get that fish is good and that the majority of humans protein actually comes from fish that does not mean it should be cheap and affordable <laughs> like it's a shame but we need to be providing people with options that are realistic for for the cost of, of the actual thing. We cannot just keep making fish production more efficient, more grand, uh, and just to make it cheaper. And especially when we throw away so much. Same with same with any of the agricultural industries. We just got to stop pushing all the subsidies towards massive companies that are wasting the earth and start subsidizing renewable methods of production okay. and start subsidizing friendly methods of production. So, so on that note, I did mention the merits of the documentary. Yes. They do mention the fact that governments are massively subsidizing the industry. Uh, and that that okay, has to so stop. I didn't, I didn't indeed undo the grand work of the documentary. I just predicted it. <laughs> you you with predicted my it as huge mind, as if you actually watched it. I, so I hadn't though. <laughs> it it is covered in the documentary. Nice. And there are other important points that it raises. For example, the ocean takes in as much. Uh, carbon from the atmosphere yeah. four times as much as the Amazon, yeah, which no. was uh, which was news to me. So there's some, oh, yeah, absolutely. There are some relevant, interesting, eye-opening stats in there. However, a couple more points. Some of the stats that are being used are have now been essentially discredited or debunked. No. There's a, an article on the the BBC News website <sighs> today, which says the main. One of the main stats that Seaspiracy throws at you, particularly at the end, is that if we keep doing what we're doing, the oceans will be empty by 2048, 
which is oh, a yeah, stat. I've seen that stat here and there. It's a stat taken from a 2006 study, which the author now says, you know, it's 15 years old. A lot has changed in the last 15 years. And even at the time, that paper was said as, you know, that's a, an incredibly bleak and not particularly realistic yeah, yeah. Uh, prediction. The, the second point here, or rather another point, is there's been some backlash from some of the environmental groups that the filmmaker Ali Tabrizi went to speak to. It's portrayed very much as, you know, Ali Tabrizi's got all the... He's got them all stumped. And he's asking them the questions, and they don't know the answers. Right. Whereas from someone who knows how you make a talking head say the things you want them to say just by some clever editing, Mm -hmm. they've... He's he's clearly taken certain aspects of the interview right. and used it to shape the narrative he wants to sell, ah. which is disappointing. Yes. Now, I, I know there will be, and there clearly are some issues with the uh, regulatory frameworks of uh, making sure that perhaps other other animals like wild birds and dolphins don't get caught up in these you know trawling nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's definitely an argument to be, or a discussion to be had there, but it's not with the blunt force trauma that the the documentary maker does here, in that he has a very one-sided, this is what is happening and no one else can tell me otherwise, yeah. view. Where it, it needed to be far more, uh, it needed to be a far more uh, all-encompassing look at things. Well, so the, the, the documentary maker had their angle and they tried to... Yes, m- make their angle the correct one rather than correct. having an angle and like also making sure that other angles were covered. <laughs> so, so, so my, I guess my takeaway from this is that the documentary is making the point that the oceans are in trouble. They are. They are. And there are. And I agree with that. Yeah. And do we need to do something about it? Yes, we do. Yep. Was this the documentary to do it? No, it's not. It 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 takes points. And, and you know it makes it makes other good points about the fact that plastic straws, for example, are not even close to the issue. No, yeah, exactly. It's it's not. So another so one. it's but it's it's things that it's some things that we know already. We know this. Yeah, but it's good to say people say people. It's good to tell people. Of course, but it, uh, but the conclusion it came to was not the conclusion. No, you know that the stop eating fish is not how you're going to solve this. No, f- fish is fish are vital right. to the existence of humanity. S- so I felt that the documentary was on an important topic but it missed the mark. Yeah. yeah and yeah. even at the very end he goes to the to the Faroe Islands and says, "Oh, we've we've heard about this sustainable way of killing dolphins." And then it just has this kind of 2-minute macabre scene of dolphins being butchered and in you know and the kind of it's a classic once a year thing they do it's almost like a tradition oh kind of like the guka right it's something like that yeah and they just butcher all these uh, these dolphins slash whales and then the guy goes and speaks to one of the fishermen the next day and he says look if it's a choice for me to kill one whale or a thousand chickens i'm gonna kill one whale right and at, at that point i was a bit like well yeah, well, I, I, I see your point. Yeah, because he, he says he's like this. This animal is going to feed my family for the next half a year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if 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 one chicken could do that, great. But that's one giant chicken. I think one of the key things people forget when they put fish in the exact same boat as they put like land based meat, um, is is that we can't really use the oceans for other things. We can't grow corn. <laughs> Instead of like catching fish, right? Whereas most of the the wasted land that we use for huge amounts of like 
<laughs> beef or chicken or whatever can be replaced and used in far more efficient ways. Right. So we got to fish sustainably. But the bigger target for sure for me would be like f- all the farming sustainably, get agriculture to be sustainable and, and get uh, the production of meat to be sustainable and all of that. And um, both, they're not really comparable. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's a shame that the documentary didn't do a good job on this because the harm we are doing to the ocean is sh- is shameful. It's awful. Yeah, uh, so and I, I wanted this documentary to be good. If this documentary, as I'm sure it has, or rather I know it has, made an impact with thousands of people already who uh, feel like they need to do something and they're yeah. signing up to all sorts of charities and Sea Shepherds yeah. and all this stuff, that's great. That's fantastic. But from a an objective, what did I think of this documentary point of view? Uh, it was it was poor. It was poor. Uh, and if you really made, poorly even, made, even if it had good intention, absolutely spot on. So if you've seen it and right. you disagree, or you would like to add your own thoughts, you can do seesawparade yeah. at gmail.com or at seesawparade on Twitter. And if you've seen or watched anything, dear listener, then please do give us a review. We've had dozens over the last uh, few months, <laughs> so please do continue that trend. Please, please do. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just one of the one of the happy little notes to end on is the fact that people now know not to keep feeling guilty about straws if we're not if we're not also making massive companies feel guilty about discarding their nets and stuff like that. Yeah. Once again, if, if I'm being told to care about my minor impact, I would like companies to be told to care about their massive impact. Indeed. Okay, let's uh, move on before we look at the Loki trailer. Let's talk about Godzilla versus Kong. It has. Set a new global record for pandemic uh, for pandemic for pandemic era film takings. Hey. Uh, it's brought in more than three hundred and eighty-five million dollars worldwide. <laughs> it's pretty good money since it opened two weeks ago. Yeah, so it's actually managed to get to I want to say close to the same tally as Tenet did. Christopher Nolan's <laughs> oh, no. uh, much-awaited film from last <laughs> summer. It's managed to do that in two weeks. Oh, pure Tenet after a. Uh, in comparison to Tenet's, what, four or five month run? Oh, no. And part, now, part of this is because more cinemas are open in the States now than yes. they were last year. Yes. However, we are, it's, it's, we are less pandemic y than we were. Right. However, the powers that be are very pleased with this uh-huh. because they're seeing this as a reflection that in other countries like uh, Japan and uh, China, even Brazil, the, the people are coming back. To see this movie, is Brazil is isn't Brazil still like hype height of pandemic? Or oh yeah, just... sorry, sorry, it's it's yet to open there. Um, okay, but certainly in in China, it's been doing very well. So okay, yeah, yeah. This to me, having seen some analysis, is a reflection of the fact that people will happily go back to see a giant ape fight a giant <laughs> lizard. Genuinely, instead of a mind-boggling, head-scratching, two-and-a-half-hour-long, bloated, sci-fi wet dream that was Tenet, which, whilst I, if you recall, enjoyed, thought was a mess, and was definitely not the saviour of cinema, whereas Giant Ape versus Giant Lizard, of course, of course it's going to do well. Indeed, especially if you make Giant Ape the protagonist. People love that. (laughs) The reviews have been good. The reviews have been surprisingly good, and I'm pleased. I think it's definitely proving to be one of those films where 
just enjoy it rather than try to take it seriously and yeah. then you'll love it um along the lines of uh, skull island i guess but some apparently apparently we're far more sci-fi all of a sudden so i'm interested okay let's uh, move on loki this new uh, marvel tv show comes out yeah. in uh, a couple of weeks time or maybe it's the early June time, so a few weeks away yet. But a full trailer has now been released. Let's yep. have a listen. You really believe in this Loki variant? Luckily, he believes in himself enough for the both of us. Why? It is adorable that you think you could possibly manipulate me. I'm 10 steps ahead of you. You're not big on trust, are you? You can trust me. Loki, I've studied almost every moment of your entire life. You've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times. I'd never do it again. I'm 10 lifetimes ahead of you, (laughs) for I am Loki, the god of predictions. Wow. Uncanny. James, what did you think of this? He's actually the god of mischief, I know, don't worry. Um, It looked better than I thought it, it was going to be when it was first uh, talked about. Yep. I, I I can probably enjoy this show to at least some degree. Okay. Um, I'm interested to see how they're going to make this Loki uh, protagonist because he's still the bad guy. He is. This is the bad Loki who survived. Good Loki is deed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the dynamics of the Loki and um, uh, character as he bounces between realities in this show. And it looks like they've got good style. I think the set design is pretty, in general, were pretty nice. Um, um, but I, I'm I'm not sure yet. It, it, it did a pretty good job of not revealing the actual driving point of the story. I think. Okay. I think they just showed us the first couple of episodes. Yeah, which which I would say in terms of did it pass the trailer test, kind of. Yeah, I hope it did. So so it, it gave me enough to say, yeah, I'm interested in this show without telling me the whole plot, but certainly suggested where it was going. Yeah, I think I, I think I know the whole plot, but they didn't just like spoon feed it to me already. Right. I, I would I'll rephrase. I know the premise. But I don't know yes, how I yes. don't know how it's going to go. Indeed, exactly. That's that's more that's more accurate. Which is more than I could say for One Division and uh, the current series, which is streaming uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which yep. I'm yet to watch. Oh, I've been I've been I've been keeping up with it. Okay, okay, we'll get yeah. to that. That's only must only have a few more episodes to go, right? I think I think it's got. I don't know how many it's supposed to have, but <laughs> okay. I think I've only seen like three. <laughs> right. Well, I may have to catch up. But okay, uh, just just I'll give you my brief summary because time is ticking away, ticking away here. Indeed. If we if we are being, if we're sticking to the, uh, what's the word? The canon, the Marvel yes. canon. Yes. This particular version of Loki is the worst. He's just had an alien invasion into planet earth and yes, he's just done a big massacre literally like a couple of days before this show is meant to start yeah he and did get bashed about by the hulk though that, that it was it's after hulk and whilst he had the wisecracking slightly funny people liked them side to him which was seen in the in the, in the films yeah he was likable yeah he wasn't the anti-hero slash good guy that we saw 
at the end of yeah. uh, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, he was just their he was just their most established villain. Precisely. So yeah. to me, uh, you've you've yeah you've you've hit the nail on the head. It's how do they turn this guy who is at the the peak of his evilness at the start of the show into the character that he eventually becomes in the space of ten episodes? And I'm sure they'll do Strap it. Strap a bomb to his neck. Suicide. Squad. I'm sure they'll do it because. Loki is a marketable character. It's why he's got his own show. It's why he is so popular. He's yeah. very well acted by Tom Hiddleston, yeah. who is probably sick to death of playing the character, but Maybe. he does it very well. I think he's going to have to play several versions of the character. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's my thought. Because we're talking about going visiting a bunch of different realities. I think he's going to be interacting with himself. Okay. I'm pretty sure they've told us that, actually. I think they might have already told us that we're going to see like a female Loki or something in this show. Do you think we'll get some some famous cameos? Chris Hemsworth showing up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna get we're gonna this this we were promised cameos in uh WandaVision and we got kinda we kinda got a couple. We got a hint of a cameo or two. We got some overlapping characters. I think Yeah, we did. Bouncing between realities is a lot easier to justify cameos in though. So I we we should get some. Okay, one final entertainment story. We're gonna get a Matt Damon. A cameo. He's going to be in it. He's he's apparently shot a cameo for the new Thor film. Oh boy. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I, that's what I thought you were getting from, but no, he's back as is Sam Neill. Wonderful. <laughs> for for cameos. Okay, so let's uh, one more entertainment story before we uh, wrap up. The Screen Actors Guild Awards have taken place, which is another precursor to the Oscars, which happen later this month. Uh, actors from ethnic minorities won all four individual film categories, uh, individual film categories for the first time ever. So Viola Davis for Ma Rainey yeah. won. Chadwick Boseman also from Ma Rainey uh, won uh, their categories, and then you had Daniel Kaluuya who is uh, Fred Hampton in Judas and the Black Messiah, which I'm very excited for. Mm-hmm. And then Yoon Yoo-jung from Minari, which we've talked about on the show before as well. Yeah. So that, and then, Which I, I want to see that. Yep. Yeah, uh, and then the Ensemble Prize, which is seen as the, the top award of the SAGs in the absence of, of best, pack, uh, best Picture, went to The Trial of the Chicago 7, which ah. may then actually build up a bit of a head of steam going into the Oscars. So this is still on Netflix. If you want to watch it, it's a, the courtroom drama. It is, you know, the, the Ensemble Prize, fair enough, because it's a very talented cast. I don't think it's the best picture, but it may well. that This does tend to happen with these sorts of... Uh, same with Independent Spirit Awards. They tend to do well at the Oscars. So right. who knows? Perhaps, we'll see. perhaps Aaron Sorkin will pick up another win. All right. Sorry, that's your contribution. A one-word, one-word contribution from James. Yeah, I actually care about this less than I care about oh, poor old Philly dying. You know, um, congrats to everybody who won. Awards are meaningless at the end of the day, um, but I'm glad to see that there's. Actually, I do care because I'm glad to see there's proper representation from a bunch of films that were deserving. Yeah, um, a whole bunch of um, films from a from. Um, ethnic minority casts were... Wait, I don't actually want to say ethnic minority cast because that sounds like I'm using the word, the other word, casts. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, from ethnic minority uh, backgrounds, that works. I don't know, were, were made. And I think it is good to see those represented fairly in an awards show. And I guess I'm curious to see what happens if this is repeated at the Oscars, if we get a white people meltdown on Twitter. Um... 
and how big it's going to be because we we get white people meltdown whenever <laughs> there's a there's a winner i guess that isn't white Okay, let's finish up. We've got uh, half a dozen stories to quickly talk about here. First of all, let's go to Northern Ireland, where 19 further officers were hurt on Thursday, which uh, brings the total over the last week of violence to 74. So police uh, deployed water cannon uh, for the first time since 2015 after they came under attack in Belfast. Uh, Crowds have been rioting on both sides of gates which separate uh, the loyalist area and the nationalist area in West Belfast. Uh, There were pictures on social media this week of a bus being petrol bombed And uh, again, on Thursday night, there were fireworks, stones and further petrol bombs used against uh, police. And they've been facing Mm -hmm. this rising disorder now since the end of March. And I would say only in the last couple of days, it's really started to hit certainly the new sites that I check. Yeah. Which is a strange one to me. Yeah, when the bus went on fire, everybody everybody cared. Yeah. So so, so first of all, let's, let's talk about that aspect first why is it taking so long for people to care and then second of all why is this happening because they didn't want to have to blame the government for it (laughs) they waited until it boiled over so they couldn't ignore it anymore because this is a direct consequence of a poorly managed Brexit and that's about it they don't want to talk about that so I'm just reading more into it at the moment uh, and it's essentially happening between the both sides of this uh, divide here in in Belfast. Uh, We've had uh, journalists hurt as well. A press photographer was attacked. Uh, Indeed. And people are reluctant to to speak. Certainly this article I'm reading here are reluctant to speak for fear of retaliation. People from within the... So people have been uh, appealing for calm and, uh, I, I mean, saying the things that they usually say when riots like this happen, but I would suggest that this is going to continue to worsen before it gets better it, yeah it's a, it's a, it's it's a, it's genuinely a huge problem um and yep it's a bunch of mostly young people who are being violent and being aggressive uh, by all suggestions and by all means it is probably a bunch of old people with uh, interested investments in the movements that are causing the actual uh, problems and are planning all these things and are um, stirring up all of these things there are uh, historic problems that we have discussed at reasonable length uh, on the podcast and that are discussed, of course, at far greater length across the the UK and Ireland. Uh, it's it's not something that's going to get tackled overnight, and it's not something that's going to get tackled by bringing in more police. We've had a lot of police there in the past. It's not going to going to be something that's tackled by bringing in the army. Yeah, we've had a lot of army there in the past. This is something that has to be tackled with new new means. In, in new ways and mostly via community and via education and via creating links and and rather than the policing and segregation but that that stuff takes generations and it should have been started a long time ago okay let's move on let's go over to the states and talk about the latest with the george floyd uh, trial and the trial into former police officer derek chauvin yeah Yesterday, a, a doctor told the trial that a healthy person mm-hmm. would have died in the same situation as uh, Mr. Floyd, who, of course, was underneath Mr. Chauvin's mm-hmm. knee for more mm-hmm. than nine minutes 
last May, uh, the defence had been arguing that the painkiller fentanyl uh, was the cause of his death, mm-hmm. uh, but it was the GP, I want to say George Tobin, who spoke and said that actually the sheer amount of pressure being forced on his neck was enough to kill even you know any, anybody. Which is um, it was just a, a dire defence. Like my yeah, goodness, yeah. So th- this to me again is. Is something that the defense have been attempting to argue, which was, you know, he was he was going to die anyway. Uh, yeah, so it's fine that we killed him. It, it would have happened. Uh, and the, you know, it's the same with any trial. It's then up to the jury whether they believe the defense or the the doctor. But seeing absolutely this particular actual ICU doctor come forward and speak about this in such, I mean, harrowing terms. Is, is that enough to convince the jury? I don't know. Juries are unpredictable by their nature. I would hope that they will just listen to people who are stating the facts, um, who are paid to state the facts, right? And who are under oath um, rather than, uh, let's say, a team who are kind of just relying on very weak statements um, to try and get their boy uh, off with the... Um, the and I often blame free. You know, it, I, I we can only hope that the jury is uh, actually listening rather than having already made their mind up that the police are never accountable. You know. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on. In the wake of another mass shooting in the states, the president another, Joe Biden like, two or something this week. Yeah, has issued an executive order targeting homemade guns, which are known as ghost guns because they're unregistered and untraceable. In a quote, he said, gun violence yep. in this country is an epidemic and it's an international embarrassment, which, yep. yeah, agree with that. So Yeah, I do. Yeah, well, it is. The, these new measures, which come through an, an executive order, means, of course, he can bypass Congress. Yeah. It, it includes uh, certain efforts to set new rules for particular guns. It improves background checks, apparently. We will see, And uh, yeah. supports local violence prevention but of course this is still an uphill task because of the second amendment the right to to bear arms and uh, as you say there very very loosely worded amendment that is hours uh, after the president's address a gunman killed one injured another five Uh, a state trooper was shot whilst he was being taken into custody and then on wednesday we had the uh, the mass shooting from the former nfl player philip adams yeah. Which was horrendous. He uh, had gone to his doctors, his GP who had been prescribing him certain medication, shot him, his wife, and their two grandkids, and then yep. shot himself, which is awful. I think, and a, and a worker in the area as well. Oh, oh yeah, and s- someone who was standing outside his house it's, as well. It's, it's a horrible act. Um, that one brings up questions of like head injuries and stuff like that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in general, whenever there's discussion about the gun violence of the states, you've got to examine a whole bunch of other cultural factors, including just the fact that guns are cultural. Um, that I've seen the response to this from people who are very much more pro-gun is as weak as usual. Um, uh, but Biden's overall strategy here seems a little bit weak. Um, we've talked about the weakness of executive orders before. You can put them in place, and then the next president can just like kind of delete them. Con- so control Z. I, I I hope that there is a push for legislation as well as just this executive uh, method. There needs to be answers 
uh, well, needs to be questions, first of all, and then answers found for the problems. Because there are indeed other countries in the world that have more guns than zero per per person in the population and far less gun violence. So there are there are ways to have guns available in a country and yep. less violence than the states. Um, but there needs to be a push towards finding out what makes the states different. Uh, and I'm 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 glad that Biden is as bland and boring as he is is at least stating the facts that this is a an embarrassment that this is an epidemic so to speak like that is just something that we've all been seeing for decades okay one more u.s story before we finish up back in britain and this is the the surprising news actually that the number of suicides in the states fell yeah by nearly six percent last year amidst the covid pandemic mm-hmm. which is the largest annual decline in at least 40 years yep so death certificates are still coming in the count could rise, but officials still expect that this substantial decline is going to endure, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that, and we talked about this, the COVID-19 restrictions and the pandemic would lead to more suicides. Yeah, and massive amounts of mental health struggles. Like we are, as much as the suicides are down, we are seeing it in the UK and the US, huge reports of people struggling more day to day yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with um, isolation and whatnot. So so uh, far from this being good news, to me it is something which is a reflection of, you know, even something I would say I was uh, purporting, which was, you know, this this is going to have a, a massively detrimental effect. And of course, we're yet to see what the, the, the effect is in the UK. I was reading stories uh, just today, actually, of a, a young couple who'd taken their life yeah. in uh, in Scotland. Yeah. But, but it's something which was surprising because, as you say, James, whilst I would agree more people are struggling, perhaps in the, the grand scheme of things of people who are sadly taking their life, it is not as bad as initially feared it is definitely not impacting the numbers or the totals as much as people were and people of very much good backgrounds were suggesting it might yeah yeah um it does we still don't have the answers of like what the impact is in the long run because oftentimes like historically through any crisis uh rates of suicide have gone down because crisis kind of brings up our lowest um, form our base resistance a wee bit. You find that people who are struggling with, um, for this is m- mostly anecdotal, I guess, but people who struggle with suicide, suicidal thoughts, will 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 find it easier to get through it when they've got a cold rather than when their their day to day life is normal because, um, struggles kind of validate the feelings that otherwise are are hard to root down and. And put you put them put those people into a suicidal place, and there's there's all sorts of indications that struggle um, reduces suicide rate. However, we don't know what happens after the virus, after um, the struggle and the unity and all of this like massive amounts of um, support for each other passes. What the impact will be um, in the long run for all the people who are then processing what they've just been through for more than a year. Um, the support still needs to be there. The 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 in the UK we're still seeing that the like mental health care is really hard to get right now, and that needs to 
come back immediately and it needs to be available immediately and it needs to be available in the long run after the virus and all these things. So while the numbers here in this report are an encouragement that things haven't been as catastrophic as predicted, um, we still need to work hard to to avoid cat- catastrophes in the future. You should get into politics. Okay, let's, <laughs> I really uh... shouldn't. Don't worry, I really shouldn't. <laughs> okay, penultimate story. <laughs> As we uh, close the show, the Conservatives' inquiry into racism within its own party has been completed as long as two months ago. And instead, wow. Tory leaders are sitting on it and are yet to say when it will actually what? be released. The Tories suppressing a, a report? <laughs> I can't. I, I can't process this. Indeed, the party acknowledged it had received the review, which was set up by the Prime Minister Boris Johnson as he apologised for Islamophobia, <laughs> but have only said it would be published in due course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when that is, is anyone's yes. guess. Perhaps it'll be today when they realise that the news coverage is going to be dominated by Philly. Actually, yeah, right now is the time. Um, let's not tell them that. Boris, don't listen to us. Um, okay, just just before I get your thoughts on that, let's yeah. just link this in because it is about uh, news coverage. This was uh, this week or the last, just over a week ago, in which Jennifer R. Curie confirmed her four-year affair with the Prime Minister uh, between 2012 and uh, 2016. Uh, she yes, called him... Riley was- in his previous marriage. Indeed. Uh, she called him uh, cowardly in this interview. I uh, want to say with... Uh, certainly it's covered here by The Independent. And uh, he was married at that point to the lawyer Marina Wheeler, with whom he has four children. Yes. And then had four, this affair. Four of his um, number of children, his uncertain number of children. Which he can't actually say how many kids he has, which is ridiculous. Yes. And he is the prime minister, yes. but hey-ho. Very prime minister, yeah. This, uh, this story, James, was given the briefest of mentions... And the briefest of coverage, yeah, and then was was moved on. Now let me ask. I don't. I don't think. I don't think I got a, a push notification from the BBC for this one, but I got. I got endless push notifications about every single thing that 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 Simon said when Sturgeon when the Sturgeon stuff was going on. For example, uh, uh, and let me ask. Let me ask if Jeremy Corbyn was the Prime Minister. Oh man! And it broke that a four-year affair had been confirmed. That would be. Everywhere, like it's not even the it's not even the affair that's confirmed. It's the he, he the, all we also know that because like during this time she she was on taxpayer trips. Oh yeah, that too. And we also know that he funded a bunch of her stuff via via the that means, too. right? We we know that she was getting public money while this was ongoing. This is beyond just an affair which would bring down any other prime minister. This is this is yet another scandal. This is yet more corruption, and it's just like so hey. why. <laughs> Why has it not been reported in the same way as you would have expected? All right, all right, hang on. Let me think, who's in charge of the BBC these days? Is it somebody who pays money to the Conservative Party? Hmm, oh yeah, it is. Maybe they're interested in, like, supporting the Conservatives from behind the scenes or something. Like, you're right, you're right on the mark. The the BBC and other news media spent five years headlining every little hint of a thing they could about Corbyn. He did things much less significant than having an 
a legitimate affair um, that had previously gone unreported. He did things less significant than sitting on a racism report in his party. And he was headlines for years for each of those things. When is Boris going to get asked to apologize <laughs> on national TV for the, for the actions of his party surrounding racism within the party? When is he going to get examined on anything? I don't know. They, I, they, it's just, it is actually getting mind blowing at this point how much he and his and his cronies are being allowed to get away with without any public examination. I agree entirely, and it's very sad that things that really should be the end of politicians' careers is barely even mentioned. It's barely even discussed. Well, it's not even the. It's not, I'm not even going to say it should be. I don't care. He had an. He had an affair. Sure. Um, that that's the thing that's getting the headlines. He should have had his career ruined as soon as we found out he had he had spent public money on on somebody who he was just like chatting to, right? His career should have ended uh, years ago. The affair, meh. P- private life, meh. Right? I don't want to call it what it should be. It's the fact that it would have ended any other politician's career, and nothing. It was like, um, and it would have ended him any other politician's career five years ago. Nothing now, but it would end any other politician's career today. <laughs> but nothing for Boris. And I say any other, but I, I suppose any Tory party member would get away with it all. Yeah, I mean, just as we're wrapping up the show, I'm now reading about uh, Rishi Sunak and Greens Hill Capital, which I'm going to have to do some more reading into this instead of bringing it up. And maybe you, dear listener, can do some Googling of, of your own. But this looks to me like the Chancellor attempting to push millions of pounds into tax of taxpayers' money to a particular group which would then benefit former Prime Minister David Cameron to the effect of £60 million. Yeah. No, yeah, I actually forgot about all that too, where the former PM had an advisor um, who was basically had had his permission to control certain things within government yeah. with a, a letterhead stamped by the PM while, he is still, while the dude still had private interests. And it's like, what? And that's not bringing down the Tories either. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, this is the thing. This story will not get anywhere near the coverage. I'm reading about this in a Twitter thread. Yeah. Uh, and we've, we've reached a very sad place where this is the standard, or rather lack of standards, that people can essentially, in you know, the, the highest places of uh, seniority in this country, can just be corrupt. Yeah. And it's blatant nothing corruption. Nothing happens. Well, the media will write the cursory article a day late and won't won't headline it, and they won't push notifi- notify uh, a sidebar. It. But article. as soon as anything uh, that would that would help the government is is available, they 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 push notify that it goes right to my phone home screen. What has to change? Uh, man, I don't even know. Get get the BBC out from under the power of the government. Whatever happened in the Cameron era has to be undone. Uh, in in terms of the newspapers, what we genuinely need is just an actual left wing newspaper, <laughs> but that's really hard to make happen because yeah. um, the left wing is just so done with trying to invest in newspapers because they inevitably just don't don't hold up to their values much like the Guardian did. You know, um, okay. I don't know what we change to make this system um, uh, hold hold um, government to account. It's it seems. It seems fruitless. Eat the rich. <laughs> Eat the 
rich. Imagine justice in this country. Okay, imagine. And on that cheery note, it's time to end the show. It's been a, a mammoth episode again. Thank you very much. If you are still listening, bravo. Man, yeah, good luck. Um, sorry. And if you want to get in touch, if you want to discuss or disagree with anything we've said, perhaps you are really into fascism, you can do. <laughs> Write to us, seesawparade at gmail.com or at seesawparade on Twitter. I'm going to go and have a long lie down and uh, maybe have several shots of whiskey tonight. James, I'll speak to you next week. Uh, it's a drinking night for sure. We'll, we'll catch you soon. It's a drinking um, life thank- for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening, especially if you made it this far. You're very much appreciated, and we'll we'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye.